This episode is brought to you by Ursa Minor Outfitters. Folks, I'm absolutely in love with my Loon mug. It's handmade. It's an absolute piece of art. Whether it's at the office or at the house, people keep asking to check it out. If you're not a Loon fan, they also have other beautiful mugs for wildlife fans of moose, bears, and eagles. They specialize in products highlighting the outdoors and local pride through quality design by local artists. They've even started expanding into items beyond mugs, like apparel, dog accessories, and soon candles and more. They also try to partner and highlight other small businesses and in some cases forgo profits in lieu of charitable giving to help their community such as the dog rescue. So check them out ursaminoroutfitters.com and enter promo code HIKESMIKES10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And for our four-legged hiking partners they also have a portable silicone dog bowl and also sweet over-the-collar dog bandana. Go check them out ursaminoroutfitters.com and don't forget to enter promo code HIKESMIKES10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. episode of the Hikes and Mikes podcast. I'm your host Ivan and I'm excited to share this new season of the podcast with you. With both fall and winter arriving in the Pacific Northwest, it's time to store the mobile recording studio. This season we'll be switching things up and interviewing some of my favorite hikers that I follow on Instagram virtually. We're following a similar format to season one where the first part of the episode focuses on the guest and their hiking adventures and we're still going to end each episode with a speed round of this or that questions all related to hiking. Today's episode features our first guest from the East Coast. We visit with Erica from upstate New York. You can follow her on Instagram at E-R-I-Q-A-L-N-Y. We chat with her about what it's like hiking in the Northeast, her love for the amazing fire tower lookouts in her area, and what it's like hiking in upstate New York in the winter. Without further ado, let's jump into our episode with Erica. Welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of the Hikes and Mikes podcast. I'm here with Erica from upstate New York. Really excited to talk to her today and learn more about what it's like hiking in the Northeast. Uh, Welcome, Erica, to the podcast. Um, For those listeners that might not follow you just yet on Instagram, can you share a little bit about yourself and what it's like hiking in the Northeast? Yeah. um, Well, my name is Erica Lorette. This might be a little weird today because I don't really consider myself a hiker, she said with air quotes. Um, There's a little bit of imposter syndrome going on, I think, because I'm not backpacking. I'm not sleeping at trailheads, checking national parks off a list, um, you know, clocking 15 mile days. I am a casual day hiker with a demanding job. And there's some weekends that I don't get to go out at all. So I kind of consider like, I'm not a hiker. I just hike a lot. Um, (laughs) So um, yeah, for me, it's a it's pretty pretty casual. I like to keep it low key. And I think I'm in the same boat as you, Erica, because for the most part, I've done only day hikes. I mean, I've gone camping, but not hiking to go camping or backpacking. I've done it, but not recently. And it's just not, it's not a regular thing for me. But through this, it definitely has helped me understand, you know, the different levels of, of hikers that there are out there. And I think a lot of people are in that day hiker category where they have a full-time job and 
and right now especially in the holiday season it seems to be more demanding than the normal so like you said there's some weekends that you just can't go out but it's definitely a recreational um thing for for a lot of people. So you live in the Northeast. What would you consider to be your home base um, for your hiking adventures? Um, well, yeah, I live in upstate New York in the Albany area. Um, and I've lived here my whole life. I only really ever left to go to college in the North Country, um, which is like right outside the Adirondack Park, less than an hour from Canada. Um, but I've been in New York my whole life. So in college is where I was introduced to the mountains the Adirondacks specifically. So I kind of consider the Adirondacks like my main spot, but it's a hard question to answer because (laughs) I am really the same distance from the Adirondacks, the Catskills and the Berkshires. And the closest mountains to me are actually the Taconic Mountains, but nobody really talks about them um, because they're smaller and they just tend to get like lumped in with the Berkshires. So I think the Adirondacks is like my main love. Okay. And yeah, you mentioned that you have three unique mountain ranges all within a very similar distance from where you live. What kind of makes each one unique to the other? And what's your favorite part about visiting each one? (laughs) So I'm not a geologist, so this is not scientific at all, but I like to nerd out a little bit. Um, You really can feel a difference when you hike all three more regularly, you kind of start to get a sense of where you are. The Berkshires are part of the Appalachian Mountains, which formed over 500 million years ago. They're insanely old. They're some of the oldest mountains on the planet. And they're really unique because you can actually hike sections of the Appalachian Trail. The Appalachian Trail doesn't go through the Catskills or the Adirondacks. So it's kind of cool to be able to do that. The Berkshires aren't like particularly challenging, um, but there's just something about them. Like you can be just half a mile from town and the woods feel ancient. They feel old and untouched. And it's kind of cool when you think about how well traveled they actually are, like how many people have walked the Appalachian Trail from all over the world. I mean, you can really feel the history and you start to think about how many people have been on the same trail as you and you kind of have this connection to people hiking the same trail down in Georgia or up in the whites and even just on a day hike for a few miles like you're kind of part of something bigger um so I find that really cool about the Berkshires the Catskills were formed 350 million years ago so they're also super old but like compared to the Berkshires they're little bit younger. I have found the Catskills to be the most popular, the most busy, like they're the closest spot for people coming up from downstate. So like, you know, New York City, Poughkeepsie, like those bigger cities, the Catskills is like the first stop. So there's always people in the Catskills. Um, There's like a couple of secret spots that I don't see people. So I kind of hit those same spots over and over again. But I, I don't go to the Catskills as much just because of that. There's There's always crowds and there's a lot of people that like aren't prepared because they're just coming up for their first time. Like, oh, let's go hiking today. And they don't really know like what to expect. So you see a lot of people with like brand new sneakers and no backpacks. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. Adirondacks. And is that how you say Adirondacks? The Adirondacks. Those are, (laughs) would you say they're your favorite ones? Yeah, they... The Adirondacks kind of feel like the most grand, I guess. They feel the most wild. They feel the most untouched. They, so, you know, Berkshire's 500 million years old. Catskill's just about as old. Adirondacks only formed 5 million years ago. So they're like really young and they're still 
still growing, which is crazy. Um, Like the rocks themselves are old, but the mountains are new. And it kind of, I don't know, I, I think they're the most New York. Like Catskill people might not like this, but the Adirondacks to me feel like the New York mountains. Like when you think of New York State, upstate New York, you think of the Adirondacks. So I like them better. Um, and this isn't scientific at all, but the the geology on the Adirondacks, it almost feels like there hasn't been enough time for the mountains to like break apart yet. There's all these like big, smooth rock slabs and open summits. And, you know, it just feels new, I guess. And, and that is something that I noticed on your Instagram feed. And maybe it's just the Adirondacks and not the Catskills. Is it Berkshires? Berkshires, yeah. Berkshires, where there is like almost like an open slab of rock with a with a viewpoint. Is that specifically to the Adirondacks? Um, no, there's well, I seek those spots out. So whether it's in the Adirondacks, the Catskills, or the Berkshires, I'm always looking for like a viewpoint because you know I'm trying to take cool pictures and have something nice to look at. You know, there's there's always gonna be hikes on my list that I keep putting off because the reviews don't say there's a beautiful view. So I'm like, oh, you know, I I could hike that, but I'm going to default to go to this cooler place instead. (laughs) And something that I noticed is maybe the viewpoint isn't the highest spot in the mountains, but you still get a really good shot of the area where, you know, you could just see for miles and miles on end. For, For those spots, is that typically on the summit or do you find them maybe halfway on the up the trail or maybe right before the summit? Or are they typically the summit? Yeah, there's a pretty good mix. I think the Adirondacks, a lot of the summits are, you know, those big open rocky summits. Um, The Catskills is more of, there's a lot more tree cover. And so you'll find more of those little outcroppings halfway up. And then the Berkshires, there's there's a pretty good mix of it. (laughs) And outside of those three parks, have you had a chance to hike around um, other parts of the Northeast or other parts of the country? Well, I took a road trip after college. Um, my college boyfriend had an internship out in Canyonlands National Park. Um, so we drove all the way out there and I flew home after we dropped him off. And we obviously got to stop in a few places along the way, which was really cool. You know, Yellowstone, of course, we have to do a hike in Yellowstone. We hiked to this gorgeous lake in the Grand Tetons. That was amazing. We saw some grizzly bear poop. That was (laughs) something new for me. Um, But my, yeah, my, we turned around. (laughs) But it was very fresh and we were like, oh, we don't, we're not prepared for this. But I think my favorite, my favorite stop on that trip was the Badlands in South Dakota. They, they just, there was something like otherworldly about them. And I really want to go back. I only have one picture from that trip. So I need to go back. Oh, wow. That sounds like an amazing road trip. You really hit up a lot of um, the national parks throughout the country. And did you get a chance to hike around Canyonlands before you, you flew out? No, we didn't because from like the airport in Moab, it's like a three-hour drive, I think, out to where he was going to be stationed. So it was unfortunately not something I got to do, but he lived there for three months and, you know, jealous. (laughs) And you mentioned coming across um, grizzly poop. In the Northeast, do you guys have um, some predators that you kind of have to keep in mind? Well, we have black bears, but, you know, compared to grizzlies, they're 
they're nothing. I mean, everybody talks about like a black bear is more scared of you and it'll just run away scared. So, but it still can be jarring when you see them on the trail. Oh, definitely. (laughs) Now we did a deep dive, Erica, into your Instagram. And one of the things that um, really kind of stood out is you kind of have a gravitation towards uh, fire towers there in your neck of the woods. Now, here in the Pacific Northwest, where, where I'm located at, we have fire lookouts, but they kind of look like cabins on stilts. And then sometimes they're just barely off the ground or they're just out on, on a ridge um, to get a view. But your fire towers are way higher off the ground and they kind of look to me more like... um what you would see uh, like a military watchtower where it's taller and it's just a small little cabin at the top. Can you share how you first came across the fire towers and kind of what makes you keep going back to them? Yeah, well, I mean, fire towers really have my heart. My first hike, I didn't hike like growing up at all. So my first hike was in college. Um, I went to SUNY Potsdam and my boyfriend in college was part of their environmental studies program. So he was a big hiker. All of his friends were hikers. So they started taking me along with them. Um, and our first hike was Azure Mountain in the Adirondacks. And that's just fire tower. It's just a quick little like two mile round trip, but it was in the winter. I was wearing like these plaid boots and jeans and just cotton everywhere in the middle of winter. It was not very smart, but that was like my first taste of a fire tower. And I, before that, I didn't even know that they existed and I'm not really like a history buff at all, but there's something so cool about knowing like people used to live on these summits and spent their days, like all those feet up in the air, like watching for fires and protecting the land. There's just something so cool about that to me. And now we get to climb them like jungle gyms and take selfies with them. (laughs) (laughs) And how many would you say that you've been able to to climb up into? Most of them I will climb unless like there's like it's roped off or something. I like heights. So I go up in every one that I can. Um, I'm still kind of working through all of them in New York State. There's a few that I did do in college that I don't remember. I don't have pictures from, so I have to do them all again. But, you know, I'm still I'm still working through the list. I don't even remember what like other fire towers I did during college because I don't I don't have pictures of them at all. Um, I think my second one was Arab Mountain. And then we did snowy. Yeah. Do you know how many there are in, in New York? I don't know how many there are. There's there's a lot. They There's like a New York Fire Tower Challenge. So I think there's six in the Catskills and then like 20 something in the Adirondacks. And so you've got to hike all the Catskill ones and then like most of the Adirondack ones to like complete the challenge. But some of them are so far away that you kind of have to plan and go stay out there in order to bag those. Gotcha. And you kind of mentioned some of them are roped off. So typically, is the the Forest Service or a local agency doing upkeep on them or maintaining them? Or they're kind of just left up to the elements? Yeah, it depends on the area. Like one of the local fire towers that I think it's only like 20 minutes from my house that the cab of that one is closed because I think the roof like ripped off and they don't seem to have any plans to fix it anytime soon, which is a bummer because I obviously want to like go hang out in there. Um, But I think it depends on on the area. Some of them are maintained and others have just been left to fall apart. Are those similar to here in the Pacific Northwest, like probably constructed in the early 1900s and then probably haven't been used for 
the last 30, 40 years? Um, well, some some summers, I think the DEC has internships and a couple of mountains here and there. They actually have like a trail steward that gets to like live on the mountain for the summer, and but they're not using it to look for fires. <laughs> oh, that would be an interesting internship. Summer up on a... On a fire tower, fire lookout. Wow. Now, for me personally, the first thing that comes to mind when it, when you hear hiking in the Northeast is the Northeast fall colors. We've all seen pictures and Instagram photos and reels of all the fall colors. Now, for, for someone that lives there, what's your favorite part of the fall color season? And then what's some tips and tricks that you have for somebody that's interested in maybe checking them out next year? Well, my favorite part, I think, is when you get like a really warm fall day and you actually get to spend time outside and just sit in the sun with those like warm oranges and yellows and like you still kind of hold on to summer a little bit but it's you know like a watercolor painting it's that's definitely the best part for my birthday this year we went to stay in Lake George we were trying to just be a little bit closer to the Adirondacks so that I could you know get a couple more fire towers in and leaves had like just just started to change that was at the end of September so next year I think we'll plan like the same trip maybe like second week of October but it fluctuates every year like when the leaves are going to change based on how hot the summer was and how fast it starts to cool off in the fall so it's not like a perfect science but New York does a foliage report which is kind of like a heat map of where the leaves are changing um, and like how far along they are. So if you're planning to come see them, obviously check out the heat map, but I think a safe bet would be like second, third week of October. And if you plan to stay somewhere instead of camping, definitely book it like now, (laughs) like ASAP. It gets crazy busy up here. <laughs> Very crowded. Yeah, I mean, you can drive through the Adirondacks and see just lines and lines of cars one week and then nobody the next because the leaves are all gone. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Good to know. Good to know. And and you kind of touched based on it. And I don't know if it was the same in the Northeast, but here in the Pacific Northwest in October, we went from having beautiful summer weather to just winter. And my local mountain pass, it was barely starting to turn colors. We have um, larches, they're pine trees that they change their needles to kind of like a golden color. They call it larch season here in the Pacific Northwest um, or larch madness because, you know, everybody's going. But it was really strange because they were barely turning and then we got a pretty decent snow dump in the mountains and I just got a chance to go up there maybe a week ago and it's very strange where the leaves are barely starting to fall right now on top of the snow. Did you guys get a similar situation where you had the fall colors changing and then it just went straight into winter and that kind of stopped the I guess the opportunity to, to see them? No, there this winter came in very slow. Usually we get like a dusting at the end of October or like a couple little storms through November but they're really at least in like the capital region and the Albany area, there really wasn't any snow until this past week. So the fall was nice and long and drawn out and it was very mild this year too. So yeah, it was there was a lot of good weather for people up here. For that fall season, Erica, how long would you say people are, are there visiting for the fall colors? Is it 
like a month or is it only a couple weeks? I think really the main chunk of it is like those two middle weeks in October, but people start to filter in early October and, you know, linger throughout the month, but it's, it's a short, it's a short season. Okay. And we kind of talked about it before the podcast. You guys just got a, a really nice winter storm that kind of, I guess the whole country got portions of that winter storm. How is it hiking in your neck of the woods once you do get a storm that dumps a a little bit of snow or a lot of snow in your area? What is it like to hike in the winter? Well, I personally love the snow. I haven't been able to get out into it this year, but I do have have the week off between Christmas and New Year's. So I will definitely be going on a couple of snowy walks during that time. But the big thing with winter hiking and snow hiking around here is just like safety and knowing your limits. I hike alone most of the time. So in the winter, I tend to not go to places that are new or, you know, super high elevation. I stay with familiar areas or easier trails instead of hiking like peaks, unless I'm going to bring someone with me. And that's just like me for my own safety. But I mean, it's still beautiful to go just outside in the snow. So you really can't go wrong. But winter hiking is like much more strenuous than people think. I think like in the snow, you think, oh, well, if I get warm, it's cold out. So it'll like balance it out and I won't get that tired. But like you're actually burning more calories and getting way more dehydrated in the winter than in the summer. And also like if you're not used to snowshoeing or walking, like trudging through the snow, you're using muscles that you don't normally use. So it's exhausting in like a whole different way that people sometimes aren't ready for but it's fun and obviously the payoff is you get to experience that like silence of like a snow covered forest that like marshmallowy winter wonderland kind of a thing so i mean i think it's the best yeah in some of those trails that you do prior to winter are they maintained where you can hike them without snowshoes or are a lot of the trails especially after a weekend like this weekend do you need snowshoes to kind of make it up the trail um in the higher elevations you really do pretty much all winter need snowshoes um unless you know it starts to get really packed from a lot of traffic and then you kind of switch to spikes if a trail is like well traveled some of the lower elevations you don't really need snowshoes it really depends it depends on how much snow there is and how many people walked there before you i mean like i said i'm i'm doing mostly easier things in the winter so i don't need to snowshoe that much but i've got i've got good boots so (laughs) and you know some hikers erica have a a summit ritual or an end of the hike routine maybe it's a favorite snack or meal maybe some trail beverages or even a moment of zen do you have a regular custom when you reach your destination or maybe when you make it back out i don't know if it's much of a ritual but i do consistently spend way too much time taking pictures at the summit i take tons of pictures and i know i only end up using one or two of them i'm usually by myself so it takes me time to like find a good spot and set up and you know frame the shot and i'm like testing different things out and i end up not liking <laughs> you know most of them but i really do i love having pictures to like remember my hikes by so i make sure that I give myself enough time to do that. That's one of the things that I kind of regret a lot about my like college hiking era. That that old boyfriend hated taking pictures, hated it. He would take like one of me like begrudgingly and would get annoyed if I didn't like it. And it was just, it made it not fun because I was like, you know, obviously it's still fun to hike and you 
get exercise and all that, but I wanted to have the memory and no, I should have just started taking my own pictures back then, but I do now. So (laughs) (laughs) that's great that you, you get to enjoy the moment, take pictures of it, you know, relive it with those pictures that you take. And, you know, you might not necessarily share all of them, but you still have those memories that you can kind of look back on. And it's kind of interesting, especially like in the Instagram era where you do see, you know, both ends of the spectrum where there's people with selfie sticks and, you know, full camera equipment taking their pictures and then there's others that aren't. And then you see sometimes the partners laying on the ground trying to get that upper um, selfie shot or or a shot of of folks. Um, It is interesting, you know, how people set up to take that picture that they want. Yeah, that's kind of why I lean toward hiking where not a lot of other people are going to be because I don't want to, you know, put on a show for people while I'm taking my pictures. (laughs) No, it's so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. It shouldn't be, but it, you just feel super goofy. No, I, I get it too. Especially <laughs> when I was doing the, the podcast on the trail. It was a little interesting pe- seeing people's faces come across, you know, me sitting on a stool and, and chair with mics and recording equipment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine like stumbling across that on the trail. <laughs> yeah. The, the looks were, were definitely interesting, but it definitely made it easier for them to be like, what's going on here? And then do the engagement that way. Their curiosity would get them. Now, when it comes to your pack list, Erica, what would you consider to be your most valuable piece of hiking equipment? And then on the flip side, has there been something that you've tried where it just didn't work out like you thought it would? Well, I love my boots. <laughs> I heard you mention that. Your feet are like so important. Obviously, they're your main method of transportation when you're hiking. And like, I, I spent a long time finding the right ones. When I first started hiking, I got these like leather boots that just never really broke in and I had blisters all the time and I think I tried like a dozen different pairs of sneakers trying to find like the right thing but nothing ever gave me like the right grip and also didn't hurt my feet and it was a struggle. (laughs) Eventually I found, I returned those leather boots and I got this pair of Garmont winter boots and I've had them for over a decade and I love them. I use them mostly in the winter. They're really warm. They're like way more boot that I actually need for the type of hiking that I do, but they've lasted for a really long time and I just really love them. And then in the other seasons, I have these Solomon, they're like cross between a hiking boot and a trail running shoe. They're like really flexible and they support my ankles still. And also I just feel like they look super cool. So I really like them. <laughs> but yeah, my my boots are like my best friends in the woods. Do you know the name of the Solomon model that you you use? I don't. I think they're called like Gore-Tex Cross Hike, but I can I can find it. <laughs> oh yeah, if you can, I'll put it in the show notes because it's definitely something that I'm noticing over the last couple of years. Is especially during the summer months, I see more and more people using like trail running shoes instead of a traditional hiking boot. And my biggest thing, I have one ankle that I injured snowboarding, so I. I I kind of like a, a mid-high boot just to give me that ankle support. So I'm always looking for something that isn't as bulky, that's kind of like a trail runner, but still provides support for the ankle. Yeah. No, I will I will look them up for you. All right. 
appreciate it. Is there something that you've tried that just didn't work out like you thought it would? I find myself buying new things a lot. And then if I don't use them, I just donate them pretty quickly. Like I kind of in the store will think I'm going to use something and I end up not using it. But I, I really needed a rain jacket and I didn't have one. And I got this North Face jacket that was on like a super great sale, but it, it had a hood that like folds into the neck, which isn't really necessary. And it was just like, it was like a two and a half pound jacket. And I was like, I'm not going to need it that much. It's not that big of a deal. But then I found that I wasn't bringing it with me because I didn't want to wear it. I didn't like it. So I got rid of it. And now I have a packable one that weighs about like 15 ounces or something. So that I don't even feel in my pack. Nice. Now throughout all your hikes, has there been any close calls? I know we talked about coming across the grizzly poop and that would definitely make me turn around. But in your neck of the woods, has there been any unexpected wildlife encounters or maybe mother nature threw a curveball at you or maybe possibility of getting turned around and possibly lost for a short period of time. Have you had any of those type of run-ins? Um, not too much. The main thing that comes to mind is like the wildlife stuff. Like I came across two black bear cubs that ran across the trail in front of me. And that was like, it was exhilarating because I've, I had never seen them. And I mean, it was bears. Like, I don't know if you've never seen them. It's, it's really the first time is scary. And that was, that was in the Berkshires. And I didn't even never even thought that I was going to see a bear, but that was just cubs. And I didn't see the mom. So I was like, maybe I will go hike somewhere else today. Cause I don't know where she is and I'm not, you know, I'm alone. So didn't want to risk it. Did you end up having to turn around and go find another hike? I did. I did. And there was, when I was walking out, I passed another guy who was hiking in and I almost asked like, can I tag along with you? Like, I really want to do this hike, but I'm alone. And But I didn't. And I regret that. I should have, I should have done that. Have you got a chance to go back and do the hike afterwards? I did. Oh, yes. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. So for, and, and maybe kind of going back to the start, I, I don't think I asked you, but how did you kind of get back into hiking after college? Or was college the moment that got you into hiking and you kind of just progressed through there? Yeah, I didn't grow up in, you know, an outdoorsy family at all. So I never hiked until college. And obviously that boyfriend kind of got me into it. And he was like working on his high peaks. So I mean, if it weren't for him, I wouldn't have ever started hiking. I wouldn't have all of three Adirondack high peaks under my belt. But after he and I were no longer together, I didn't have anyone planning hikes for me. I didn't have anyone saying like, hey, we're going hiking tomorrow, like get ready. And so it just completely fell off my radar until COVID. And then I got bored and I was like, I need to go outside. And I remembered that I used to hike all the time. And so I just started doing it again. Oh, nice. And after COVID, did you kind of start doing more solo hikes? Or I guess during COVID, probably is where you started doing solo hikes? Yeah, during COVID was so weird because I think a lot of people took up hiking and it was strange to be outside and see people like wearing masks in the woods. Like that's just a very strange period of time, I think, for all of us. And we hopefully will never go back to doing that. But there, the woods were were crowded for that that first spring. I think everyone was like, there's literally nothing else to do. So I guess we'll go hiking. So somebody that's that's gotten into hiking again in the last couple of years, is there any tips or advice you have for people that are are barely starting to get into hiking and are interested in going out into the outdoors? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is safety. I mean, really, that's the only thing 
that you need to worry about is, am I doing this safely? It might be dorky to be overprepared, but it's, you know, it could be deadly to be underprepared. So I'd rather be a loser than dead, I guess. You know, I always carry stuff, even if I'm just going on like a local nature trail, because you really never know. And if I'm hiking in the woods and I see people who aren't carrying anything with them right away, I know you're not taking it seriously. You have no water with you. You have no layers with you. You don't have benefits drill. You don't have dry socks. Like you don't know what's going to happen to you. And I mean, if it's November, you could step in a creek and your foot could, you know, eventually fall off. Like it's, you know, you never know. So, I mean, I think to inexperienced people, it can seem like overkill to take some of the things that are recommended that you take with you. Like if you're just doing a casual hike, you're like, I don't need to bring a compass, but yeah, you really never know what can happen. So I think the most important thing is to just take it seriously and to know your skill level. But but I do have I do have a, a dorky tip that I like to teach people all the time. You can actually make a whistle out of an acorn cap and it's insanely loud and super obnoxious and you never know it might really come in handy so really oh i'm gonna have to youtube that and see if i can find a video and with the year winding down erica do you have any upcoming hiking goals for 2023 yeah um just more fire towers i have a couple of like long weekends planned i think i'm gonna do one in the spring one in the summer and one in the fall and get like two or three fire towers on each one in in the Adirondacks. And then other than that, just trying to hike more this year. I like that. And with um, knocking or checking off these fire towers, do you know how much you have left for the, is it the 50 fire tower challenge? It's not 50. um, It's just the New York fire tower. So I have five in the Catskills that I still have to do. And then I think there's like a total of 25 or 28 in the Adirondacks. And you don't have to hike all of them, but you have to hike most of them. So I still have some work to do. I've got I've got maybe 15 to go up there plus the, the Catskill. So I got some work. Well, definitely looking forward to seeing those pictures of you on top of those towers. I'm looking forward to <laughs> taking you. <laughs> now, this last section of the podcast is this or that questions. It's all hiking related, but I'm going to give you two options and then you just choose the one that fits you the best so first question is ascending or descending um i'm i'm gonna go rogue and say descending i think it's funny when you first start hiking the uphill can be kind of killer either you're like not in the best shape or your boots aren't broken in yet so you kind of look forward to going downhill and then as you get more experienced kind of does a 180 and you start to feel how brutal the downhill can be on your body but i like descending because um i've already wasted so much time taking too many pictures um, so I'm kind of in a hurry by the time I'm going back down. And I I also, you know, as brutal as it can be on the knees, I, I kind of like that I'm able to do that. You know, feeling the pain kind of makes you appreciate that you're able to get out. Yeah. <laughs> and the second one is waterfalls or summits? Oh, summits all the way. Waterfalls around here are way too crowded. Switchbacks or straight up? Straight up. Yeah, I'll always go for the shorter, harder hike, especially if there's some scrambling. I like that. And uh, track poles or freehand? Uh, I freehand. Yeah, I've never really used poles. And do you fuel up before a hike or do you fill up after? Definitely after. Usually while I'm chilling on the summit. Do you bushwhack or go around? Go around. And do you jump in or stay dry? <laughs> uh, dry. 
100% dry. Um, when <laughs> I did the Cranberry Lake 50 in college, which was a gym credit, which is super cool. Yeah, we started out the first day of it in the afternoon and it was in October. And so like by the time we came across this like flooded section of trail, it was freezing out and it was dark and half the people just walked right in. And I mean, this, it was not a puddle. It was like a little pond. It was up to their waist and I was absolutely not having it. And they were going to have to carry me, but then I found a way around. Um, so they all went swimming for nothing. <laughs> uh, how did you end up finding a way around? Um, I just kind of checked both sides and I was trying to find like a down tree or like any section of path where, you know, animals were trying to go around just something. Um, and there was a, a huge log that was down across like the stream that was leaving that that puddle. So yeah, it was it was not even difficult to cross it. <laughs> oh, that's cool. How about sunsets or sunrises? Sunrises. A 360 degree sunrise from a fire tower is like one of the coolest things you'll ever see. You really feel like you're on top of the world and then you have like the whole day ahead of you after that. It's just the best way to wake up. <laughs> I like that. No need for coffee. How about spring flowers or fall colors? Oh, I'm definitely a spring person. I know I'm from the Northeast and I should like the fall foliage, but I'm a spring person all the way. And do you tag a hike or do you not tag a hike? I tag. I know there's some like more popular places that people go or like very, very picturesque places where you don't want to tag because you don't want people like flooding to those locations, but there's really not much of that around here. And I like to connect with people and see where other people are hiking. So yeah, I share and I hope other people share too. Well, thank you, Erica, for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, for listeners that don't follow you just yet, where can they find you on social media to kind of see where your adventures are? Um, well, my Instagram is at Erica L N Y, and that's E R I Q A L N Y, and that's Instagram. And I also have Vero, which has like four followers, but I post more like landscapes on that, and that's at Erica, but it's E R I Q Q A. So if you want to give me a follow and it's not very active over there. Vero is like a very new social media platform, but figured why not give it a try. <laughs> I keep seeing more and more people using it. Yeah, um, I'll definitely add those to the show notes so people can uh, just click on them and follow. Thank you so much, Erica, for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Really fun hearing about how hiking is in your neck of the woods. And for guests that are interested in checking out the 2023 fall colors, make sure to book your, your accommodations yesterday, if not today. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Thanks, Erica. Thank you. Thank you again to Erica for joining us on the latest episode of the Hikes and Mikes podcast. Make sure to follow her on Instagram at E-R-I-Q-A-L-N-Y to check out all her recent hiking adventures across upstate New York and to see her progress on visiting all the remaining Fire Tower lookouts. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Hikes and Mikes podcast. We'll be putting out new episodes every week through the fall and winter. Be sure to like and subscribe to not miss out on those. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hikes and Mikes. Catch you on the next one. This episode's music was created by Ketza. Follow him on Instagram at Ketza Music.
This episode is brought to you by Flip Socks. Whether you're on the trail, on the job, or in the yard, Flip Socks will keep Mother Nature out of your boots with their innovative nylon sleeve. You no longer need to worry about any annoying debris getting trapped in your boots during your hikes. Simply flip down the nylon sleeve over any boot to prevent Mother Nature from finding its way inside, keeping your feet comfortable all day long. To get your first pair, visit flipsockswithaz.com and enter promo code HIKESMIKES10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. And for listeners who use the promo code at checkout, I'll be donating 100% of the Season 2 promo code proceeds to Big City Mountaineers, who provide transformative experiences through connections to nature that strengthen life skills and build community for youth and disinvested communities across the nation. So if you're tired of bits and pieces of the trail finding its way into your hiking boots, pick up a pair of flip socks today with the promo code hikesmikes10 to get 10% off. For website and promo code, see the episode description. 